When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional-level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. And you know, it felt kind of juicy. I'm interested in the political system in England and how privilege is sort of rewarded. And this, you know, if you get that start, if you get that leg up in life, you're kind of on a trajectory that means that you will succeed. And how complicit are people within that sort of structure and obviously dealing with rape and how difficult that is to prosecute and who's telling the truth and male entitlement and it just felt like it had every ingredient. It was a little bit meta for me because having dealt with kind of public betrayal and and you know press attention and there were there were parts of it that were a little bit too close to the bone but her reactions to those scenarios were so different to my own that I found that interesting in a way. Sienna Miller plays the wife of a politician in Netflix's Anatomy of a Scandal, and her character winds up in the tabloid crosshairs when her spouse's wrongdoing is revealed. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, Sienna Miller is here to talk about Anatomy of a Scandal, its take on the privilege of the rich and powerful, and what she could relate to in the series. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Last month, limited series Anatomy of a Scandal ended Bridgerton Season 2's reign as the number one English-language TV series on Netflix. Created by David E. Kelly and Melissa James Gibson, Anatomy of a Scandal stars Sienna Miller as Sophie Whitehouse, a woman who sees her world fall away once her husband, Parliament Minister James Whitehouse, played by Rupert Friend, is publicly accused of assault. It meant nothing. It was just... Sex. Nothing's just sex. There's more. You're not telling me just to tell me. To unburden yourself. The story's about to break. Sometimes I think I'm partly to blame. I let things slide. Making this right is all I care about didn't question little things when I should have. Won't your wife be wondering where you are? She trusts me. But little things add up. I mean. The legal case that ensues threatens to destroy the White House's reputations and lives and also reveals the true aspects of their marriage and the privilege that is wrapped around them. Downton Abbey alum Michelle Dockery plays the prosecuting barrister eager to take down James. 
S.J. Clarkson, whose recent credits include Jessica Jones and The Defenders, directed all six one-hour episodes of the drama. For Sienna Miller, there were some things she could relate to, having been in the public eye and faced her own intrusion by the U.K. press. But there are also some similarities to her last major TV project, 2019's The Loudest Voice, in which she played Beth Ailes, the wife of Fox News leader Roger Ailes. I recently spoke to Miller about her choice of projects and how she jokes that she must be, quote, warped for diving into these subject matters. We talk about being part of the Rupert Murdoch phone hacking scandal in the UK, for starters. And later, we discuss producing this show during COVID-19, doing TV, and so much more. We began by discussing how TV seems to be in love with stories about scandals these days, and how this show sounds like it could be based on real events, even though it's not. You know, it's, it is really interesting politically at the moment because it's, it looks at government, especially in England, in a way that is, I think, important. Um, uh, I, I, it, uh, everything was in the scripts. I read the book, which was fantastic. And our scripts are slightly different to the book, but it was like having a Bible of the character's interior kind of mapped out for you if you've got a book to reference but the real life scandal in it, yeah, it does. It does feel like we're seeing we're seeing what happens in this all over the world, and it's it kind of as the days go by, I just feel like it's more and more perfect timing for something like this to come out. Yeah. What do, let's back up and, and tell me how you sort of got involved with the project. Uh, how, how they approach you, and and what what intrigued you about this? I had done the loudest voice, which was a show about Roger Ailes and Fox News with Liza Chasen, who is the producer of Anatomy of the Scandal, and. When we were making that, she was talking about this thing she was going to do in London. And I think at the time they were going to cast our roles, Michelle Dockery and mine, as older. And they changed that, thankfully. Um, so we'd been in touch and I knew her. And then I got sent these scripts and, you know, a pile of six of them came. And that could be an intimidating thing if it's not a page turner. But I devoured these scripts. So that was appealing because I love that format. I love the six part drama. I loved Big Little Lies. I loved The Undoing, the same creative team that were behind those two very successful series. And, and, you know, it felt kind of juicy. I'm interested in the political system in England and how privilege is sort of rewarded. And this, you know, if you get that start, if you get that leg up in life, you're kind of on a trajectory that means that you will succeed. And, and how complicit are people within that um, sort of structure and obviously dealing with rape and how difficult that is to prosecute and who's telling the truth and male entitlement. And it just felt like it had every ingredient. It was a little bit meta for me because having dealt with kind of public betrayal and, and you know, press attention and there were, there were parts of it that were a little bit too close to the bone, but her reactions to those scenarios were so different to my own that I found that interesting in a way that the idea of being in someone else's shoes in a kind of familiar scenario, but responding very differently because psychologically I'm obviously warped. I would like to put myself back into horrible moments in my life and explore them. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but that, that is interesting. And maybe play things out differently, almost like a different scenario. And, and yeah. so, uh, that does sound interesting, but at the same time, was that, was was that frustrating to see Sophie, your character, do something very different than maybe what you would have done? Or how, how did you kind of place it? It was more problems? intriguing. It was more just psychological. I think I, I definitely kind of bash out my own psychology in the work that I do. And I found it, I found it strange to be in a, in that sort of situation and and respond in these other ways. But I think that that was 
it was an interesting thing to explore. There are many different ways of reacting to something. And, and I learned something in that. I mean, she's much more acerbic and stoic and sort of reserved than I am by nature. And, and she's difficult to love in moments. And I think every character in this is, and I love that about the show as well. It doesn't shy away from, you know, the ugly parts of people. Um, that being said, who she begins as and who she ends as is a very different person. And I, and I like that she went on this kind of self, what is it, self-exploration and, and, and become something much more astute and interesting by the end. Yeah, as things evolve and the onion is unpeeled. I mean, yes. how would you describe Sophie? Uh, you know, she she obviously is sort of, you know, she didn't ask for this, although, you know, she knew that this this was the life that, uh, you know, she was a part of. And, and you know, from, from the beginning that this this is sort of, this is part of that life, but she still didn't ask to be a part of, of, of the scandal necessarily. No, not that part. I mean, I think that she had, as a, as a as a woman growing up, probably because of the generation that she comes from, she was she had an agenda, and that was find the best man, marry him, be a mother, you know, devote yourself to your husband. We'll leave these things that that seem really old fashioned suddenly these days. But I think that she had that agenda and, and was willing to turn a blind eye to certain behaviors and. Um, I think she's smart. I think she's probably not even has very little self-awareness at the beginning of what her own needs are. She's just sacrificed herself. And, and like I said before, she is kind of acerbic. It was, it was difficult to play her because the knocks keep coming. I mean, there are so many shots for that character in this, and there's only so many ways you can be sort of shocked, hurt. You know, I really had to, to work quite hard to mine to find the complexity in her. But I think that she goes on this incredible transformation as the show kind of continues. And at the end is, is really aware of her own culpability and, and what role that she's played in, in just allowing this kind of privileged behavior to exist and, and feels remorse for that. And I like that about her. Yeah. It is an interesting journey because, uh, you know, you, you, you sort of at first, uh, it, it's a real complicated question of what did uh, Rupert's character do and uh, you know and and obviously we we see that evolve as well but um you know and and I I always I I've loved Rupert through the years in, in shows yeah. like Homeland and so you know you for at first have that natural inclination of of like I love this guy I love this guy charming <laughs> and handsome and great yeah <laughs> yeah it's you know what it's really interesting because it's such a gray area but people watch it and have different opinions about what he did, you know, and I, and I hope that that will inspire aggressive debate um, over dinner tables. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting, it's really interesting the way that, that a rape is looked at in this show, because there are going to be people who don't see it as rape. And there are going to be people who are adamant and vehemently, you know, in, in favor of him being prosecuted. And it's, it's just, it's just messy and brilliant. Very, very good writing. Yeah, messy is is a good way to to put it, uh, and, yeah. and because that's the real world, right? I mean, there, there, it's it's hopefully out. not this extreme. I mean, no, but this does exist, you know, like you said. And I think brilliant to cast Rupert for those reasons as well, because he does have this sincerity, and you trust him, um, and that just adds a whole other like frisson to this already messy pool. Yeah. And the thing with their relationship is, uh, you know, well, how would you describe their relationship? I'll, I'll ask you that. 
I feel like they they were very in love and 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 I believe that in spite of this affair, there is so much love there. And the unraveling of that is painful. You know, I think you believe in the love of these people, that they've had a successful marriage, that they are good parents, that they are good people in many ways. And a series of bad decisions and bad upbringing. And, you know, you look at people who come from very privileged backgrounds and you think, well, they've, they've sort of had everything, but they are denied a fundamental thing, especially men of that generation, which is the ability to see yourself as somebody who doesn't have everything or, or is, is not entitled to everything. Um, there is a, there are sort of own set of laws for that kind of privilege and it's not okay. Um, but as a couple, you're rooting for them in many ways, in spite of what you know about his behavior. And that's, that just adds an, again, another layer of pain and misery. Well, having, having sort of uh, appeared in shows that explore scandal in the United States versus scandal in the UK, <laughs> what would you say, what, what are some of the key kind of differences in, in, you know, in, in maybe, uh, you know, how the media reacts, how just the, 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 society is structured that, uh, you know, there, there's sort of a different impact on the people at the center of it. Um, that is a deep question. <laughs> Let's analyze the difference in scandals. And I mean, you know, exploring Roger Ailes, for me, that was really interesting because I was also caught up in a Murdoch scandal in many, I mean, I, I was, I was part of the phone hacking in England. So it felt quite meta and interesting to be in the offices of news group, having had my own relationship with that corporation. Um, and the rise of Roger Ailes at that time felt fascinating with Trump. You know, there is no Trump without Ailes. And we were in the midst of that presidency and, and like, what a great thing to explore. Um, Fox yeah. news and um, fake news and all of that stuff. Um, you know, in England, it is sort of, there is this boys club and you see it in our government now. Many of them went to school with each other. They went to Eton and they went to Oxford and they were part of the Billington Club, which is recategorized in our show as the Libertines. But these things exist and they're ugly in many ways. And, and you know, boys will be boys and, and sort of different set of rules for, for different people. And in our government recently in lockdown, there was a party that happened you know, that the government were attending when no one else was allowed to leave their homes. And there is there is really no consequence to that behaviour. You know, in a normal world, somebody would resign. People weren't able to attend their parents' funerals, but there was a party with wine and cheese in the middle of a lockdown. It's sort of, um, and that's been swept under the table. And I don't know, I think, I think that it is time to look at the structure of things through the medium of, of film and television. And I'm interested in that because I'm interested in politics and yeah, I do, I'm yeah. rambling. I'm just rambling at you. Oh, it's, it's good because I, I do wonder about accountability because I, I look at it from, from here and it, it does seem like there was more of a reaction to, uh, you know, the, that scandal that you're talking about, the, uh, the, the, the party and like the wine the, and cheese party. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and it does feel like lately we've seen similar uh, you know situations just happen here in the U.S. and there's no kind of accountability to you know uh, uh, politicians and, and what they've been saying and what they've been doing and 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 you see you know even recently um, you know kind of just this this country so polarized that there is no accountability anymore. Uh, it's just yeah. sort of uh, you know justifiable behavior because it's uh, you know. Uh, 
you know yeah artists. locker room talk yeah. <laughs> grab them yeah. by the pussy come on no i um i think i think that people are sort of capitalizing on the fact that news moves so quickly our attention spans are just ravaged by social media and the amount of advertising and and that these scandals where they probably used to linger for a lot longer something else can very quickly come and dissolve it um and that is to do with attention span and our lack of it these days and i think that people are probably yeah capitalizing on on the ability just you know it'll it'll pass and things pass much quickly much more quickly nowadays um yeah the english people were irate about that but there's still there is no consequence and i feel like i guess in a sort of post trump world it's very easy to just say fake news about something you know and or just sort of turn the other cheek and that is a scary state of affairs Yeah, yeah. Well, and especially when we have a major media outlet out there sort of promoting, uh, you know, falsehoods and, and lies. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and that's become even more apparent during COVID-19 and what we're seeing. And again, you know, you, you've had your, your personal experiences with that Murdoch empire and, and, and what that's done to, uh, you know, the culture and to discourse and, and everything. And, and um, you know, What, what, I mean, what are your concerns now? Uh, it's, you know, even I mean, how long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think we're in such an interesting time and I just turned 40 and I've kind of, so I grew up at school. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have social media. I, you know, if I needed to look something up, I'd have to go to a library and then phones came in and social media came in and, and to be able to be part of a generation that has straddled both worlds. Um, is a really interesting age to be at um, or a generation to be a part of. I am concerned about I've, uh, the crumbling of democracy, <laughs> watching the foundations of our democracy just fall apart. Um, you know, the level of distraction, young people growing up trying to raise a kid in a world where you can't really control what they can see and find. And while there are many benefits to all of the technology that we have access to, I think that it's taking away from a human experience. I remember being like endlessly bored in car journeys, looking out of a window and thinking and imagining things and daydreaming. And our ability to ponder is being ravaged by the amount of distraction, you know, how, how we nullify the pain of what it is to be a human. But at the same time, without that pain, you're not really human and, and you can't really experience the joys. And so I could really go off on one here, but I'm gonna bring <laughs> myself in because it's gonna get seriously philosophical and yeah. weird. No, yeah. but 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 I, I think you're absolutely right. I think and, and and I do think you know you've done a, a really stellar job of of you know utilizing your position to uh, you know sort of promote discussion of these things, both with, you know, what you were saying earlier about, you know, your advocacy with, uh, you know, the, the phone hacking scandal and, and what came out of that, but also the, the projects that you've chosen. And, and so I'm curious to you, how can Hollywood and entertainment continue to sort of change the world? <laughs> Just make it better. <laughs> At, at least get us get us to continue to talk about these things because it does feel like they're, they're, needs to be some sort of outlet, some sort of ability to move forward and, and move the conversation forward. Yeah. I mean, I'm under no illusions that we're like changing the world with what we do, but I do find that I'm interested in stories that will inspire debate and something like this show 
um, will be polarizing for people. And that that conversation, you know, in, in analyzing what, what is consent, what is, you know, those kind of very meaty, very, very current topics. Um, I, I think that the kind of showing a story like this where you haven't gone for the low-hanging fruit, where you're not just like, this happened, this happened, you're, you're kind of left to make up your own mind in many ways. And um, that should inspire thought and healthy conversation. I don't think you can do much more than that. I mean, the goal with anything is to move people. Um, I think creatively, that's what I'm interested in. But also I do keep picking these quite political stories because I just, as I said before, I'm fascinated by it. And, uh, and it's a world I want to explore. After the break, more from Sienna Miller. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back. It's the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. We're chatting with Anatomy of a Scandal star Sienna Miller. Anatomy of a Scandal comes from David E. Kelly, who is experiencing quite a career renaissance at the moment. Having dominated broadcast TV in the 1990s, Kelly is now all about the premium cable and streaming world, having been behind recent series such as Nine Perfect Strangers, The Undoing, and Big Little Lies, among others. I pick up by asking Miller if she had much interaction with the TV titan. You know what? We made this in deep COVID. This was October 2020 that we started shooting. And he was in California and we filmed this all in London. So I've never met David E. Kelly. Interesting. I have emailed with him. But, you know, he he co-wrote this with Melissa James Gibson, who was our showrunner and was on set every single day. And so she... it's it's She was rewriting and we were... You know, she was very much a, a presence and a sort of huge contributor, collaborator on this. So... They were working very closely with each other, but I, but I really don't know much about him. Yeah, yeah. Except that he's brilliant at what he does. You know, it's, such it's a, a brand you can trust. It's a brand you. Can trust. It's a brand you can trust. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and and yeah, it is just such an interesting time still to be shooting uh, in in COVID. And found as we're, we're celebrating two years, happy two year COVID anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you, you've kind of just adjusted to the new normal. Where how how are you doing these days? I mean, I've had it twice. I'm vaccinated at this point. I'm like, bring it. I can't, you know, there's, I just, I'm like, if there's a new variant, I'm going to get it. I'm just, that's the snot that you can hear in my face is just my long COVID carrying on. Um, It was weird to film in that. It was really heavy lockdown in London. It was heaven to be able to leave my house and go and be creative. But everybody in masks and visors, and there is a kind of disconnect between what is normally a very collaborative and happy and jovial experience. That being said, we did manage to laugh our way through it in spite of how heavy the subject matter was. And, and, you know, ultimately people who go and make films are are people who like to play. And we found our ways to do that, you know, whether it's flicking your mask at someone, flashing your visor, whatever, there are ways, there are ways to have fun in spite of this. But I am excited that it feels like, who knows if we're at the end of it, but, um, 
trying to be at the end of it, trying actively. I was just in London and they're like, COVID doesn't exist, carry on, don't test, don't report it, you know. And in a way, I'm I'm all for that at this point. Yeah, yeah. Knock on wood, we're we're kind of getting to the point where it will yeah. just be sort of, you know, it's gonna be in the background, but we can kind of hope we can focus on the war in Ukraine. Yes, thank you. Great. Yes. <laughs> it's just Bring it back. I remember when like yeah, <laughs> but like when 2019 2020 and I was like the 20s woo, woo. you know that new year was like here we go the roaring and it's just been knock after knock after knock isn't it it's a very interesting time yeah yeah keep waiting for the roaring 20s to to kick in yes hopefully yeah. that, that will happen at some point <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but um yeah I mean the other thing by the way of of this show that I visually um, the the editing, sort of some of the the the, the shooting styles. Uh, I, I love the use of just you know some some of the interesting angles. Uh, yeah. It's a it's visually fun to to watch this this show as well. I mean, it's dealing with such a dark subject, but they there's some real whimsical uh, shooting styles that they employ yeah. too. So that's kind of fun. Well, our director S J Clarkson is masterful. I mean, she has more of a knowledge of cinema and lenses and 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 stylized kind of shooting than I've ever really experienced. Um, and what could be quite pedestrian, you know, you can tell the story and it is what it is and it's compelling and it's a page turner, but she made it shiny and interesting. And at the end of each episode, there is something that's visual that is a metaphor for what people are feeling at the end of episode one, Rupert, is kind of reacts to an imaginary punch. She has these ideas that are just that just elevate something to another level. Yeah. Um, she's so talented. She's about to do a big Marvel movie. She's incredible. It, it kind of looked like James Bond, I thought. I thought London looked stunning. And so yeah. I think she should do one of them as well. Oh, yeah. Be it, in it. It, it. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Jane Bond, yes. Jane Bond. <laughs> I, I, I think we just sold that. I, I think whoever's listening to this podcast right now, that that's 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 sold. Um, well, that that brings up an interesting question: is what are you, what are you excited about next, and and what are you kind of like eager to to kind of jump into next? I'm really I'm ready for some levity. I want to tap dance and sing my way into 23. But I uh, no, I'm doing a film actually in England in May that Kristen Scott Thomas has written and is directing her first film. She's playing our mother and Scarlett Johansson and I are sisters and another. We have a third sister and it's all kind of coming together. So that will be really fun and it's it's moving and it's English and funny as well. Um, and then I'm going to do a movie that Orin Moverman has written and is directing about Groucho Marx and it's Jeffrey Rush is playing Groucho and it's a very cool, very, a very intense character that I get to play. So I'm excited to jump into that. Wow. Wow. So, so kind of focusing on films or more and more series coming your way. Are you excited to, to do more of these sort of, limited? I would love to, I'd love to do limited. I don't have the patience to do a long drawn out one. I just could never sign a seven year, anything. I'm a commitment phobe, I think yeah. on some level. Um, Nothing yet. I love, I do love film. That is my, and because I'm an absolute dinosaur and the world is leaving me behind. But that collective experience of a bunch of strangers in a dark room is sort of why I did this. So I think that would always be my number one love and theatre. But this format is also great. And you have more time to tell a story and to explore something. And I hope more come my way, but there isn't one right now. Maybe after this comes out. Well, speaking of the the series that should have lasted seven years, uh, Keen Eddie. 
<laughs> I barely remember it. No, of course I remember it. my first real job. It was fun. Did you did you watch that? <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was one of those like you know it was you know the the one that got away. I, you know there there was a small but loyal audience that really enjoyed <laughs> that show. Um, but it is a bit of a cult thing. Every now and then I meet some diehard Keenetti fans. Um, it does feel like a long time. Well, you, you, but you have an age today, so. I love you. Thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> well, congratulations on uh, the, the the show uh, on Netflix, and uh, congrats to to you and everything else. Stay safe, and thank uh, you. We'll look forward to uh, what's next. Take care. Thanks so much. That's Sienna Miller, star of Anatomy of a Scandal, now streaming on Netflix. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. The Award Circuit Podcast is edited by Drew Griffith and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Emmy predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. Until next time, for Jazz Tanke, Emily Longaretta, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.